Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed, and this particular episode of the Four Center Podcast Feed is the Clone Wars Report. <laughs> Instead of those exciting Clone Wars drums, we are getting some spooky horror noises, which is totally appropriate for the arc that we are discussing today. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, the person who makes all of the wonderful mouth music at the top of every episode of Clone Wars Report is Ken Nabsock. How you doing, Ken? I am great now that you have defined my career and I can explain it to my parents better. 
<laughs> I make mouth music, mouth magic, really. Yes. <laughs> I would like to be there when you tell your parents that you make mouth magic for a living. <laughs> It'll be the same response I always get. I don't understand you. <laughs> well, good for you. You just keep keep going, being you. Uh, anyway, we're very excited uh, to talk about this arc in the Clone Wars. Before we dive in, uh, we did want to talk about something going on with one of the just huge contributors to what has made the Clone Wars such a great part of Star Wars, uh, the wonderful, amazing voice actor Tom Kane. Of course, he has done many things in the world of voice acting. But on the Clone Wars, not only is he Yoda, people are always like, hey, he's Yoda, that's great. Uh, not only is he Yalaren, uh, but he is the newsreel announcer at the beginning of every episode, which I just so love that evolution of the crawl into that newsreel voice, all delivered by Tom Kane. As I'm sure many listeners probably know, Tom Kane uh, suffered a stroke a while back, and his family just recently this week announced that he, as he recovers, uh, he is unable to do voice work, so he has to retire. And uh, along with that sad news, they have also released a uh, P.O. box uh, where people can write to Tom Kane and let him know just how much his performance, how much he has added to the world and the texture of Star Wars uh, means to us as fans. So I want to be sure to just shout out how amazing his work has been and to share that P.O. box. So if you want to write to Tom Kane, the P.O. box is P.O. box 23606 Overland Park, uh, Kansas 66283. So uh, that is, uh, that's that with Tom. Any thoughts there, Ken? Man, I, I such a, just such a, 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 a tragic thing, but it's life and and it's real, and we're here to reflect on the legacy. And I, you're so right. The newsreel stuff is is just so distinctive. It's so just the Clone Wars. Which I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, that's that's I don't know, that's an odd choice, right? They're just <laughs> doing a newsreel guy, which I love newsreel guys. But man, that, that's really that's the 1930s serial stuff. That's that's uh, that's the spirit of Star Wars right there. So it really works. And as far as Yoda, look, you could you can probably find many talented voice performers that would be able to do a Yoda voice. Uh, but Tom Kane never was just doing an impersonation of Frank Oz. He really did make Yoda a, a character, a compelling, complicated, interesting, funny, warm, insightful character, the likes we had not really seen until the prequel era. And and I think Frank Oz got to do some of that uh, for sure in the prequels, so make no mistake. But Tom Kane, much like, say, uh, Cat Tabor with Padme and Matt Lanter with Anakin, got to just build on it. And it's such a key part of the show. So uh, hats off to Tom Kane for sure. Yeah, I just want to echo what you're saying about Yoda. It is so easy to do an impression. Uh, every human who has ever heard Frank Oz do Yoda has their own impression. Yeah. And it is so powerful and so great that Tom Kane's Yoda is not an impression. It is him as an actor, his take, his interpretation of the character Yoda. And that's what makes it so powerful and so successful. Indeed. All right. So uh, with that, we are going to dive into talking about the Clone Wars. Uh, this particular arc uh, we're calling the Attack of the Night Sisters, which is, I just like saying attack. Uh, anyway, the episodes in this particular arc are season three, episode 12, Night Sisters, written by Katie Lucas and directed by Giancarlo Volpe. Season three, episode 13, Monster, written by Katie Lucas and directed by Kyle Dunleavy. Season three, episode 14, Witches of the Mist, written by Katie Lucas and directed by Giancarlo Volpe. Ken, how are you feeling that we get to talk about an arc that was broadcast 
in this order, all written by one person. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a great experience. And, and, and again, we're going to talk a little bit about my experience in 2011 versus now. But yeah, it, 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 especially on the Clone Wars Report in last week's episode, we were in season three. We're in season two. It's uh, it's wonderfully refreshing. Yeah, it's great to be in the in the part. Uh, we're getting into the era of Clone Wars where a lot more of it is all uh, forward moving. So with that in mind, here is uh, what I attempted to be a short summary. We'll see how well I did. Here's my summary of this arc. Fear. The Sith Lord, Darth Sidious, is concerned that Count Dooku's personal assassin, Asajj Ventress, is becoming too powerful. So he orders Dooku to kill her. Obediently, Dooku has Asajj's own forces turn on her. But Asajj survives and retreats to her homeworld of Dathomir. She is restored to health by Mother Talzin, the leader of an ancient clan of witches known as the Night Sisters. In Asajj's throes of agony, we see visions of her tortured past given to bounty hunters at gunpoint. Those hunters then destroyed. Then Kai Narek, a Jedi, trains uh, Asajj in the ways of force. Then Narek himself is killed, and a vengeance-hungry Asajj is taken in by Dooku. Mother Talzin helps Asajj plot her vengeance against Dooku. After a failed attempt to assassinate him at his own castle in his own exquisite pajamas, Asajj ventures to the village of the Knight Brothers, male Zabrax controlled by the Knight Sisters. Through a series of brutal contests, Asajj finds her champion, Savage Opress. Using their mysterious magics, the Knight Sisters give Savage great power and great anger. Talzin then tricks Dooku into taking Savage as his new apprentice. Dooku sends Savage to the Jedi Temple on Edit, where he slaughters the clones and two Jedi. Obi-Wan and Anakin are then assigned to track down this murdering beast. With the Jedi closing in, Mother Talzin and Asajj spring their trap. Both Asajj and Savage attack Dooku, but they are unable to defeat him. Savage snaps, lashing out at all those trying to control him. Asajj barely escapes with her life, and a wounded Savage returns to Dathomir, where he's given a new assignment by Mother Talzin, locating his long-lost brother, Maul. And that's with some things edited out. Anyway, there's our summary. Let's dive into some overall reactions. Ken, uh, where were you at with this arc? First of all, I'm going to go back in time, and I have to admit to being stupid, dumb, unable to see what was there, and only engaging with Star Wars on the surface, again, in 2011. Now, uh, it, well, over 10 years, wow, that's crazy to say, 10 years later, I, I've just grown to just love love these three episodes, just really, really connect with some of the moments, and now want to really see and learn more about the Night Sisters, which is something I did not say in 2011, though... A lot of my early reactions to this episode were based around this gentleman named uh, Savage Opress. Oh, Savage Opress. (laughs) So that's where it starts. Did the name break you back in 2011? It was, the name was the final straw, but it was the, the mall's, dead so you you got this low rent version to me like and I'm I'm I'm, I'm being honest about my cynicism back in 2011 or just what I was seeing cuz I was watching these episodes with one eye open literally it's it's like you and I always say massive star wars fans all the way back to our our you know youth uh early early youth but there's there's times and eras where it fades in and out of uh, of of the forefront of our lives this is one of those eras so I was watching the show loving the show but also kind of like what what am I seeing and so, yeah, it, it just at time felt, felt like budget mall 
not knowing, of course, where they're leading and not knowing where, I don't even know at, at, how plotted out they were thinking uh, they were going to be, you know, how much was plotted out about Maul. So anyways, that's where it started. Yeah. Then, and then, then to hear the name, it was like, well, okay, I don't know. Okay, I can totally see it from that perspective. If you're just watching it week to week and you don't know where this is going, uh, that he does just seem like uh, Maul's BS cousin with a dumb name showed up, right? <laughs> uh, I, I totally get that perspective. Um, for me, I think I really had the benefit of first watching The Clone Wars in 2014. One of the big things that made me, after I had kind of a rough experience with seeing the movie in the theater, uh, what made me go back to it was finding out like, oh, Maul comes back and he's got a whole vengeance thing with Kenobi. Like, all right, I got to check this out. And a lot of other people saying like, you know, it gets really good. And for me, I, I love these episodes. I was really struck when watching them. Even though all of the Clone Wars up to now that we've talked about, there are a bunch of episodes I like, a bunch of arcs that I think are really important, really key. Some of my favorite episodes are in season one and season two. But big picture, like right here in the middle of season three is where I feel like Clone Wars just shoots into the stratosphere for me. Mm -hmm. Because I think it totally comes into its own where there's, it, it, it feels like it shakes off any need, any fear, you know? any need to be a little bit too much like the movies or let, let's make sure that every episode ends with a pose like they do in the movies, or let's make sure that this line gets included. It really has this just sense of freedom and exploration of we can go wherever we want. We're doing an anthology show and the overall arc is, uh, you know, Ahsoka's growth and we learn more about Obi-Wan and we learn more about Anakin and Padme and all that. And that's great, but we're kind of doing an anthology show and we can tell whatever story we want in whatever way we want and just uh no holds barred and i think that some of that begins here um with just what a great swing this is right in in one way it is totally star wars star wars has always uh just grabbed whatever it wants from different genres and put it through the star wars fil filter and this is one of the first things where besides like little small moments we're like hey horror Let's go all in. And I just so love the horror aesthetic, uh, just literally like aesthetic, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Red mist, strange cocoons, uh, you know, a temple that's a, uh, has a screaming mouth for an opening that goes to a secret lair with glowing green ichor, like mm -hmm. Talzin's creepy double voice. It's just, just on the aesthetic level, this is Star Wars and horror shaking hands, <laughs> you know? So I think, just on the aesthetic level, and I want to talk more about the depth too, but just on the aesthetic level, it's no holds barred Star Wars. Yeah, and, and you're 100% right about the, the Clone Wars during this era. This is also the season, and I think this is the, the Obi-Wan new design for his, his new character design is, is debuted in this episode or this this arc. Yeah. Clone Wars is growing up and moving forward. And I, I what you said with no fear, just total confidence of this is what we're going to do. And this is, uh, you know, the genesis of these three episodes is George going, I kind of like that uh, Asajj character. Let's let's find out about her. And even three, we've seen her before. She was in the movie, you know, and we, of course, <laughs> we, we know the connection to the Tartakovsky uh, Clone Wars. So that speaks to what, what you're saying of just like, we've got this, we're going and let's dive on in. And then you got witches and Star Wars, which by the way, not new. I totally get it. You can trace the Night Sisters back to the 90s comics and even beyond. Um, a lot of people credit the, the Ewok movie <laughs> introducing right. uh, a witch to Star Wars. I totally get that. But this front and center, uh, let's uh, put it all on a, on a horror platter for you. 
Right, exactly, and and you're very right to to uh, mention the fascinating and convoluted uh, history of where the Night Sisters come from. But in modern canon, here's where they just kind of explode under the screen, uh, fully formed in the way that they're going to continue to be a part of canon. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think a, a huge power of these episodes for me, we'll get into all the big uh, ideas, but, you know, witches are a, like all, uh, you know, uh, horror uh, uh, kind of archetypes, you know, like your vampires, your witches, your Frankensteins, your mummies. <laughs> uh, they all kind of mean different things culturally. And there's something about the way that they're presented that I think it, to me it is, impactful that this is this arc is written by a woman Mm -hmm. and it starts from a point from kind of Asajj's point of view and leads into this story of witches who uh are extremely powerful uh but they're also being persecuted right like there's little threads of that throughout this whole thing of they want vengeance on Dooku because he he treated them poorly that we learn Asajj's uh backstory is that she was taken unfairly from them right so in terms of just kind of wrestling with the the, what a witch can mean culturally it's really powerful that it isn't just uh the fun of witches and it it spells in the aesthetic Mm. if you want to dive into it there's a lot of fascinating discussions to have about these are witches portrayed as powerful women uh who are being persecuted yeah, this entire uh, society uh, is 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 a uh, you know um, matriarchal society that's referenced. We're going to talk about that, which is being uh, misunderstood, persecuted is the the, the top example. Uh, yes, as someone who um, who was uh, partnered with someone who uh, considers herself a bit of a witch, <laughs> I can say it, it means a lot. And uh, I love that you shouted out Katie Lucas behind it all there. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So uh, we both like the this arc, but let's get into the, the depth of it. We always like to talk about the morals of the episode. Three episodes in this arc, so three morals. Here they are. Uh, the first episode, the moral is the swiftest path to destruction is through vengeance. Uh, the second moral is evil is not born, it is taught. And the final moral is the path to evil may bring great power, but not loyalty uh can do any of the these speak to you do you want uh, to get some cross stitches up on your wall of any of these morals to remember i think i should i think we all should these are some great lessons and you can really just connect them to swift of the past the destruction is through vengeance however evil is not bored it is taught and the path to evil may bring great power but not loyalty is just one big t-shirt of, of lessons for me and the episodes really do work together well when you look at the those morals uh and connect them uh, versus maybe just, ah, uh, oh, this one's got a lightsaber fight, this one's got a space fight, all those kind of things, which is how I was watching a lot of it in 2011. So I love these episodes. They really, uh, die, uh, the, the, all the morals jump out to me. I I think the first one is the one that kind of grabs me because I think it fuels a lot of what's going on here and it fuels a lot of bigger things in Star Wars, uh, Vengeance, and uh, the quicker, more seductive, and then therefore destructive path. Yeah, it is a very Star Wars version of that. You know, when you go uh, out for revenge, you t- dig two graves first, right? That, you know, this is not necessarily going to bring what, what you want, right? Yeah, and, and the dark side kind of has this uh, sliding scale of pain and destruction. Now it just comes becomes this vicious uh, cycle of, uh, of, of hurting and, and hurt and, and how it all reflects back on yourself. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, you think these are all valuable, and I, they're all really powerful too. Because like some, we we talk about the morals every time, and sometimes uh, they feel like, yep, that's just like kind of good 
good life advice. Sometimes they feel really directly attached to the episode, but these are like real gut punch powerful, right? And mm-hmm. I think the the one that really resonated with me is uh, evil is not born, it is taught, right? Yeah. I, I think because that is so advocating a Star Wars uh, perspective that people aren't just born evil or they're not evil because they, they look scary. <laughs> yeah. That uh, the thing that we call evil is choices that people in a bad place make. And because that's true, then those choices, you, you can make different choices. Um, and I think it really, for me, ties into a lot of what's going on in the episode where you're talking about the cycle. This is these three episodes are really showing you uh, these cycles of uh, being treated poorly and then needing revenge and then not getting anything out of revenge and then getting frustrated or so wanting even more revenge. Uh, that cycle of uh, how horrific things happen is just demonstrated so clearly in these episodes. Yeah, in, in a way, it starts. Um, it starts with Palpatine treating Dooku bad, forcing him to treat Ventress bad, who then treats Savage bad, who then kills <laughs> his brother. It just, it's just a, you said, sliding scale downward. And, and that's at the center of uh, the dark side in Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive into it. Uh, the the big themes, uh, the ideas that are at stake in this episode, I think we're already just tilting into them because for me, um, there weren't, uh, there, it was so focused and in these episodes are full of a ton of like just great uh, aesthetically enjoyable, thrilling action. Uh, and the parts of these episodes that really have meat on their bones in terms of ideas are so direct that I don't have as many different thematic ideas as I sometimes do. Uh, for me, I just feel like the themes are revenge and empathy. And like, mm-hmm. that's, it, it's so going for the throat of those ideas. Um, uh, so, what what are your thoughts? Where did you go th- go to when you thought about what like the big picture idea or themes are of these episodes? Yeah, it's it's hard not to say. Hey, it's about revenge being a path to uh, y- your own destruction, like we've already been talking about. And again, like the moral kind of just says. But these also these the the theme uh, of of knowing maybe how to phrase it like knowing what your own value is and how that's hard to find if 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 your whole life you've been abandoned abandoned for different reasons. Um, you know, a, a death or soul. I'm mean, just looking at Asajj's story, that whole kind of flashback to her life. It's pretty powerful, pretty sad and pretty tragic. And um, just seeing again, the, how that spreads out one person hurt. Uh, it can continue to hurt others as well as yourself. Uh, so I focused on that because of, I love Ventress, Ventress going home. Uh, and and we can talk about Talzin and how much of an actual good mother she is. And I think there's probably some good things, but maybe more bad things. But I also don't want to categorize her as uh, simply evil because of uh, how she looks or sounds. That's <laughs> what we're here for, uh, especially these episodes. But Ventress falls into her arms, but it's 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 sweet in a way to me. But also right before that, just when when the other sister shows up and Ventress uh, and they're like, we don't allow strangers here. And Ventress is like, I'm not a stranger to me. That's just someone searching for their place for their true value and searching for themselves and, and how that is, uh, you know, at stake for all of us sometimes, but especially in these characters and, and the destruction that can cause. Yeah, no, I think it's extremely well said. And, and the idea of home is always powerful in, in any storytelling. I think it comes up a lot in star Wars is, you know, 
the idea of home being combined with the idea of family and, you know, does your family give you strength and support you or does your family uh, push you into choices that, that you maybe don't want to make? And I think all that is at stake in, in Asaja's story. Uh, I think that's the, the reason empathy jumped to my head is because uh, it, it is the way I was responding to some of the same things that, that you were seeing is Ventress in, in all the other Clone Wars uh, stories up to now is a fun villain, you know, really leaning into uh, kind of the noir femme fatale, but with the lightsaber, <laughs> you know, even flirting with Kenobi and is she, you know, uh, fights with him and, and all that kind of thing. And then this is really that like, but who is she? What motivates her? Why should we care about her? So it is taking somebody who was a, a vicious killer and saying, but why? And that is immediately just asking the audience to have empathy for the villain, right? Um, and then once you're even, you have empathy with, with her immediately because you see that, oh, she has worth. In fact, from Sidious's perspective, she has too much worth. <laughs> right. So she has to die immediately, cruelly betrayal. Uh, and then seeing that that has been the chain of her entire life of losing parental figures, of being given away to these bounty hunters, then losing them, then thinking that she has uh, a sense of uh, home uh, from her Jedi Master Kyneric and then having that taken away and then going to Dooku and Dooku saying like, well, I can give you strength and purpose. And then now that betrayal, just this endless cycle of loss and betrayal. And it seems like she keeps coming to these different parental figures. And at no point, maybe Kyneric, uh, but at no point does she kind of get what she needs. Maybe she would have got it from Kai and she would have, um, she, she would have uh, benefited from that. But like, there's this real moment where, yeah, Mother Tolson could have welcomed her home and said, great, uh, let's let's uh, get you uh, back up on your feet and let's decide what you need and, and want in life, you know, how to be the best Asajj you can be. But it uh, seems it's their way, it's their culture. Like, uh, Asajj is just like, I want vengeance. And Mother Tolson's, great, I can help you with that. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. 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 This, and this for me, this is, uh, Asajj is a great character. I, I'd say one of the standout characters of the Clone Wars, right? I mean, popular, uh, has both a, a, a cult following and, and a just a general Star Wars fan following. But this is where she really gets interesting. And uh, I put that all on the uh, wonderful uh, skills and uh, you know, script writing uh, software of Katie Lucas. Whatever she sat down to write this on. It's, uh, Jennifer Landa uh, wrote and uh, produced a great episode. Uh, you all should check it out. Um of happy beeps uh, looking at Katie Lucas writing, just writing herself, writing a lot of her story in Massage Ventress. And I think all the themes you're talking about just, it, it, it was goes beyond just George going, ah, I'd love to find out more about her. It really becomes a, a, a tragic lived in real character again, set in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. And I think what I love about it and makes it even more impactful to me is that first episode of this arc makes us feel just a ton of empathy for Asajj, I think. Right. And then we could just follow through on that in this whole arc could be, oh, poor Asajj. You know, maybe maybe I was too harsh on her, uh, but it doesn't pull the punch, right? Because the second episode, you're feeling bad for Asajj. You're, you're rooting for her to get revenge against Dooku, I think. And then the second episode, we see her inflict just absolute horror yeah. 
on the Knight brothers, right? So then our empathy immediately switches to them. I'm like, it's a pretty big pivot to go from that first episode where we see the flashback of her traumatic life to, you know, that scene in, in the middle of the second episode where like your second test is me just hunting you in the dark <laughs> and laughing at you. Like it, and that's where it gets into the cycle, right? That's where you're going beat by beat, character by character. This person was hurt. So they turn around and hurt somebody else. Yeah, there's no kid gloves on this episode uh, or this arc, you know, with Asajj. It, it's it's you're so right. Here's why. But here's how she continued to make that worse in a way, which, again, might not all be her fault. Uh, again, I love I love your uh, talls and just says, hey, great. You're home. Let's have a nice dinner. We'll go from there. No, does not do that. The cycle <laughs> continues. And then we know where Asajj ends up and a lot of things in her life and jumping ahead to the Clone, Clone Wars episodes with her and you know Ahsoka, another abandoned uh, person having to work together. It, it's 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 just so sad. But it, it it's um, I like when stories, particularly Star Wars, just go, hey, this might not have a happy ending, and that's kind of the point. We need to learn from this. Can you learn from this, and and what can you take from this? It, it makes it powerful to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then uh, I think it's kind of fascinating that this uh, this three episode arc in this sort of a uh, cycle of violence. Uh, who do you have empathy for? like shifts perspective in the kind of in the middle of the second episode. Yeah. Uh, and then we, we, we see where Savage comes from. We meet him before he is, you know, a monster as everybody starts to call him. And we realize that he ends up giving up his life basically to protect his brother. Right. right. <laughs> and the animation on his brother, Farrell, uh, those like just soft, like Charlie Brown eyes. It's like <laughs> he's like Darth Maul with Charlie Brown eyes. Like, oh, yeah, no, Farrell's not a fighter. Everybody else, leave him alone. So I find myself having this great empathy for uh, Savage, right? Mm -hmm. In the in the second, the first half of the second episode. And then by the end of the second episode, in the third episode, he is just this murderous monster and everybody's calling him an animal and a beast and like using those dehumanizing words for him. And we in the audience are in this weird position where we're like, yeah, no, it's it's awful that he just slaughtered all those Toydarians. But also we just saw where he came from and that he didn't entirely make this choice either. This is what stood out to be more focusing in on this arc is Savage's story. And I still think this is, uh, very much uh, Asajj's story as well. I don't want to take the spotlight away from her, but, uh, you know, someone who in 2011 rolled his eyes and said, so, <sighs> to now just really focus on how bad it was and how uh, hard and painful it was to watch that, that works for me. And it's, and it's a new kind of twist on the, on the Star Wars villain for me in a way of we, we, you were rooting for him to rise up and, and, and fight those uh, uh, as, as he tries to do at the end of the third episode. Uh, and I had not really focused on that before. I just was hung up on uh, Super Bowl. Uh, and I like what they did with the, the Savage character. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really easy because he, he's such a big swing uh, mm -hmm. just aesthetically of like, OK, well, he's he's kind of another mall. That's kind of what everybody wants for plot reasons. And then they use magic to just <laughs> not yeah. only buff him up, but his horns, too. They buffed his horns. <laughs> so it is it's aesthetically powerful, but it does. It has all this depth. If you it's just this great whiplash of asking you to empathize with different people. And then immediately, for for reasons that we can then see and understand, watching those people you just empathized with do something horrific, right? Yep. yep. And I think that there's a nice thing. I'm kind of bouncing back and forth between these ideas of, of revenge and empathy because they're so tied together. On the revenge side of it, for me, I love that without 
putting uh, too big of a pointer on it, they bring the Jedi into it because mm-hmm. we know that the Jedi uh, want to uh, use their powers for uh, knowledge and defense. They want to defend people. They want to save people. And it, of course, there's some new threat to the galaxy. They see maybe he's connected to Maul and they may... Is he a Sith Lord? Probably not. He's connected to Maul, but like, definitely in the Jedi's purview to to stop him, to defend the galaxy. But then the way that they talk about it is constantly saying, we're going to get that guy because he killed two Jedi. Mm. <laughs> and like, I almost want to reach into the screen and go like, he killed a lot of clones too. But the only thing they talk about in the script is the Jedi that he's killed. Uh, it, it's, it, it's even kind of in the newsreel of that third episode. It says it's up to the Jedi Council to find this mysterious killer and eradicate him. So it's it's really uh, positioning the Jedi as, uh, yeah, no, we're not trying to go talk to him or find out how he's feeling this way. We're going to stop him. And then there's even those lines between Obi-Wan and Anakin where uh, Obi-Wan says, uh, Dooku sent his assassin to exact his revenge on the Toydarians, underlining that uh, ongoing theme of revenge as well. And then Anakin responds, We'll make him pay for it, <laughs> which is a very Anakin thing. But, you know, uh, Obi-Wan wisely doesn't seem to take the time to correct him. But it, it's just there in the in the dialogue of Anakin that from Anakin's perspective, at least, the Jedi are on a mission of revenge. They're going to make Savage pay for the two Jedi he killed. Yeah, because, you know, the argument could be here. Je- Jedi are uh, trying to enact some uh, Old West justice here. It's a it's a. Posse going to collect a bounty and, and, but for reason, it's not, you know, uh, I, I would say it's in line a little bit with knowledge and defense. Right. And also, absolutely, you know, they're going to get there and maybe ask him to stop. If he doesn't, we go from there. But you're so right to connect that emotional canon of the slow fall of Anakin. What was already there, already in the DNA of him, already swirling around with those midi chlorians. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a little uh, fun connection there at the end. Yeah, and I don't mean to to be too harsh on the Jedi because you oh, know yeah. I'm I'm all about justice for the Jedi, and there is that great scene where uh, Obi Wan is really clear on we are not here to fight the Knight Brothers, and I love them trying to defend themselves from the Knight Brother mostly with kicks. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, so there is definitely a perspective to that, but I I think what I like about it is you can see how from Yoda's perspective, Obi Wan's perspective, like this is a terrible threat, and it is defense. We need to go uh, find him, stop him, and they even fail to stop him from killing poor King uh, Katunko. Um, but then there's just that little seed creeping in of, you know, they don't want their own slaughtered. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which is real, real, real powerful. Um, for me, kind of final big thing on on the theme. I mean, kind of talked about it uh, here, but like, I just love how multi layered the vengeance is. You know, it, it's Mother Talzin wants vengeance against Dooku. Dooku wants revenge uh, for the attempt on his life. Uh, even the idea of help, even when Talzin is lying to Dooku about why she's helping him, it's really uh, tit for tat. It's really exchange based. Of like, I'm helping you once because you helped me once. Period. <laughs> you know, it's just the and then the idea that. We know from the story of the Clone Wars that Toydarians ended up siding uh, with the Republic, and yeah, Duke is like, yeah, I'm, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna make that guy pay." Get <laughs> him. It's all, all these circles of vengeance. Uh, final, final thing for me under the kind of idea of um, of empathy, I guess, uh, maybe to that that first theme of uh, revenge doesn't get you anywhere. I, I do kind of like that this. Uh, by the time this very eventful arc is over no one has what they want right uh the poor king has died uh ventress didn't get her vengeance uh dooku 
doesn't have a new uh, apprentice. Uh, the Jedi didn't stop uh, Savage Press or even save the king. Just like nobody actually got what they wanted. Well, that's wonderful to bring up. We, we talk about, we mentioned recently about the Rogue One hallway scene with Vader and what purposes to serve. All that power got you nothing. Uh, and and that's I, I love that that's highlighted again, and and that's kind of this big lesson about the dark side, right? About all oh, what you want, you're never gonna get, you're never gonna be quenched, you're never gonna, your journey uh, will never come to a, a good end here. And I, I think that's a it's a almost funny lesson, but it's very uh, tragic. Yeah, it really is. Uh, and uh, Dooku's got that line when he's trying to train poor Savage. Hate will feed you. Never sympathize with the enemy, not even for a moment, which is for me just like yeah. a great little theme statement of <laughs> vengeance good, uh, empathy bad. And like, okay, Dooku, let's see where that gets you. Well, I'll tell yeah, you know what? Because uh, it, it, it doesn't fit into like action or comedy or whimsy when we discuss in the second half of the show. I love, with an all caps love, that moment where Dooku is just sitting there quietly uh, contemplating the whole situation after the what he thinks is the death of Asajj that he was asked to do, how he's now probably feeling vulnerable. But also, I would love to know in his head, because we've talked a lot lately here, uh, we did a lot on, on previous episodes, of, of Sith using truth as this weapon of taking a, a truth and twisting it and kind of jamming it into your soul like you can't deny it. And uh, uh, uh. Is, is, is Dooku just failing himself here i mean he is you know he's just ignoring that 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 truth that he might have that might switch him that he kind of knows his position man uh, palpatine might do something to me how can i get over but i it's it's like three seconds but i'd love to get into dooku's head there it's it's yeah. really great dooku stuff it really is because dooku is so like imperious and uh smarter more knowledgeable mm. faster more tricks up his sleeve than everybody else has more money better pajamas like he's such a yeah. character <laughs> that exudes superiority and and he often is right he wins you know yeah um but then he is constantly literally on his knee you know bowing his head to his master you know and we know from this episode that no, he's he's very invested in uh, in overthrowing him whenever possible. But yeah, how, what is that doing to Dooku's soul? Somebody who thinks they're so superior and acts superior and gets to prove their superiority to other people all the time is just always on a bent knee to this guy. Yeah, and I'm not suggesting this is a moment where Dooku would have been, uh, let me call up the Jedi and see if my job's still there. Like, <laughs> I just connect this moment. You and I love connecting moments in, in shows and stuff to other moments in movies. This That look he gives Palpatine in Revenge of the Sith before he dies, like, this this moment's got a flash in his head, too, of like, oh, yeah, I maybe saw this coming, but I ignored it. <laughs> right, right. Like, I think he's totally on top of the kind of the normal game of of rule of two of yeah. let me let me find my moment to overthrow him. But I didn't. Yeah, I think his vanity made it so he never considered, oh, he'd throw me out. How is that possible? I'm the best Sith Lord you could possibly be. How could you have a, a younger, better Sith Lord? Right. Yeah, yeah indeed. Yeah. Um, getting into some of this stuff of how these arcs, uh, this arc, uh, reflects the larger theme, story, morality of Star Wars. Uh, what other stuff did you go to there? I, um, I love this idea of the Sith constantly selling power as strength. And that's really a lie. And all the stuff you just said, all that power gets you nothing and how that is constantly what, um, and 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 subfolders of power are the vengeance and uh, hate and anger and all those things we we know. But I just love that the 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 there's this moment, especially with Savage and Dooku, where he's like training him in lightning bolts, and then I'm I, you know basically I'm more powerful than you. And it's like, and the lesson here is, well, he's not loyal to you. That's the big um, 
big uh, moral that's stated for the, these episodes. But um, you know what I mean? Where it just connects to the cons of the Sith are in search of power. And it's, it's like, right, that's strong. But really, it, it, it's, uh, it's built on quicksand. And it's, uh, that's where it went to first. Yeah, no, I've been thinking about that Leia line to Tarkin in A New Hope a lot is just being like a great uh, kind of summary of what happens with the mm-hmm. dark side about, you know, the more you try to tighten your fist, the more star systems will slip through your fingers, right? That's about like, you can't, uh, can, you can't control people forever by just strength and domination, right? Because they will want to get away from you. Um, and I feel like, yeah, that's so going on in this episode. I, I liked how explicitly... It demonstrated even just in the Dooku and Savage training session that there's that moment that's I almost put it in canon, but I wanted to talk about it here. That's just almost Yoda and Luke on Dagobah, right? Uh, Where uh, Dooku asks him to lift the the big scary pillars and Savage says what you ask is impossible. And then Dooku says the task is only impossible because you have deemed it so, right? I mean, this is just totally with the always with you, uh, it cannot be done, you know, it, it, it's impossible that that's why you I don't believe it that's why you fail it's it's almost exactly that scene except for Yoda ends that scene with just kind of that like I I have opened the door Luke now you can go through it I have shown you what you might not understand now I'm giving you the I'm not angry I'm disappointed in you face <laughs> and that's my teaching style and I love that we get the exact same scene with kind of the exact same lesson about how the force works followed then by lightning (laughs) you didn't believe in yourself so i'm going to cause you pain so you get angry and you can only do it out of anger it's it's such a clear distinction of the light in the dark yeah and i what a note i wrote down from watching that scene is uh, how knowing the force is not understanding the force and it's so interesting you brought up yoda basically saying that with luke like hey the understanding's forward and we'll help you get there uh and how you can you can even with Osage, though, you know, she has some Jedi teachings in her in her background, as obviously does Dooku. But when I say knowing the Force and not understanding the Force, is you could press X and L1 and get all the Force powers you want and move it around and feel it and have some kind of knowledge. Same with Grievous, you know, I'm trained in your Jedi arts. But you don't understand the Force and what the Force is 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 truly out there for we talk about the force emerging in little tiny light side moments little tiny choices empathy all these big themes but they're boiled down to these little moments and uh light and dark is that battle it's not always about cloaks and sabers and so savage and that you can learn this you can move all these things around but you're not really understanding what the forces wants wants you to do and, and what you're there for yeah yeah i think that that idea that if the force connects everyone and everything it is this giant cosmic thing it is also the living force made of everybody who's alive and the jedi are always trying to tap into that idea of connection by being selfless Mm -hmm. by reaching out and this episode there's even some lines i didn't write down about like it's all about you don't care about anybody else don't think about anybody else you 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 just channel it in yourself you know and and that yeah is that is that a, a true understanding of the force yeah yeah um, yeah, other thing for me, I just we talked about a little bit, but I want to be able to uh, be sure to touch on it is just like these are great episodes to just really look at the rule of two explicitly, right? Of uh, that the motivation for this entire arc is Palpatine and and Dooku, uh, Sidious and Tyrannus are dancing on this edge of like a, we're the two, I'm the master, you're the apprentice, and yeah, all right, you can have a force sensitive assassin. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> as long as she's an assassin. But Palpatine Sidious really at the top is like, you know, you're assassin. I'm getting some apprentice vibes. So kill her because we we can bend the rule of two rules. But but I see you going towards a breaking of the rule of two and I'm putting my dark side foot down. Uh, I love that. What's on the business card? That's what counts there. <laughs> yeah, but it's just, you know, as you go through the story of Star Wars, I think to me that connects to things like the Inquisitors, you know, yeah. of uh, they are not Sith. They're in their place. They're a tool. Um, mm-hmm. it connects to Palpatine, you know, in earlier Clone Wars episodes, trying to have Cad Bane steal, you know, Force-sensitive kids to kind of put them in a specific box. It it ties to the dance that's going on in Empire Strikes Back in the conversation between Vader and Palpatine about Luke, right? Of like, ooh, if he could be turned to the dark side, are we talking assassin? Are we talking tool? Are we talking you You team up with your son and try to kill me? Sure. Like, that's what's on the table. That's what's not being said. But they both know they're talking about. I love that. I love uh, Let's go back and recut that scene at Palpatine and be like, are you talking blunt weapon? Or <laughs> we talking about rule of three? Is that what you're proposing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, love that. And then we just get the explicit moment where there's no ambiguity. Uh, Dooku, you know, tried it with Kenobi and attacked the clones. We both interpret that uh, that scene, I think, as, as Dooku keeping his options open. Mm. <laughs> uh, but it's just explicit here to, uh, to Savage. He directly says, we will be even more powerful than Lord Sidious. We shall rule the galaxy together. The classic Sith offer. Uh, so just absolute clarity sort of canonically in this episode that if given the opportunity, trying to create the opportunity, Dooku would be happy to fulfill the tradition of rule of two and, and take out Sidious and become the master. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And now that's a big what if. That's a fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. What if Dooku killed Sidious? Amazing. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Wow. Um, anything else for you? Uh, just a couple of uh, comments uh, watching, especially the first episode, no, excuse me, second episode, which is the, the uh, reconstruction of, of Savage, if you will, really made me think of Mando season one and how that whole season is, is kind of around this, this idea of, you know, you reprogramming oneself and the change and overcoming maybe uh, nature, upbringing, beliefs, uh, learning new things. And just the, the whole IG 11 monologue of, of Quill that you and I love so much. I thought of that a lot while watching poor Sauvage go through that. It was the, you know, the anti uh, reprogramming. It was the programming. Uh, and it was really hard to watch in a way. Like, you know, that's what I'm saying. 2011, Ken would have been like, ah, what are you talking about? Now I love, I, I love uh, in, in this weird way, watching this lesson, this painful, sad, tragic thing play out in front of you. It's, it's a very Star Wars thing for me. Yeah, it really affected me uh, this time. I always enjoyed these episodes, but really watching it from the perspective of, you know, what are the big themes and ideas? The idea that a part of that process was not just like, give them bigger horns. Yeah. <laughs> it was drive empathy from him what motivated this character is what motivates lots of star wars characters uh, protecting a loved one and yeah that is what that's where his strength came from that's what his perspective was and a part of that reprogramming as you're so smart to put it is driving empathy out and replacing it only with anger yeah taking that uh what might be a strength and, and teaching him to think it's a weakness right yeah uh, absolutely yeah, um, that and then one final note here. It's 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 kind of a 
can think, but also you've talked about the larger story of Star Wars and a lot of great Dooku stuff. There's that little line about, you know, sending Savage to the Jedi Temple and Savage kind of reacts like Jedi Temple. And he's like, no, no, no. Dooku says like, no, it, it's a front for the Republic's military actions, like in, in operations. Like, and I just was, I really love that going back to some of the other Dooku stuff, the stuff with Kenobi and Tactic Clones and just what we know about the Separatists and all that Mina Bonteri stuff were just kind of emerging uh, in, in the previous episodes. And it's like, this one of those things where it's like, well, I, I guess Dooku's not wrong, which is part of the philosophical debate the Jedi are in with themselves. We are generals yeah. now. This is a Jedi temple, but we do have troopers there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I love that. That, like, uh, even in this weird, monstrous condition, Savage is like a temple. Is that a thing that we attack? <laughs> uh, and I think Dooku, really continuing what, what we learn the Sith perspective is, is that, yeah, the Jedi are liars. Everybody wants power. And that, that just was really uh, powerful to me of like the, a part of Dooku's hatred of them is is coming to this belief that, you know, they're liars. They want power. Look, they turned their temple into a military base. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great, great insight. Uh, I think the final thing for me that I was really excited to watch and and ask your opinion about is, kind of how the Night Sisters fit into our understanding of the Force and in particular the dark side. You know, we have all this aesthetic glory of their awesome looking, invoking horror, but still being totally original and unique. Um, and then we see them, uh, you know, doing some some not great stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there is a balance there to me. I think the way I was thinking about it is... Um, so obviously they do see hate as a weapon that gives power and mm-hmm. and they use that to to turn Savage and, and reprogram him to to their ends. Uh, they clearly do believe that it's okay to control others because they, they control the Knight Brothers and they're just theirs to sort of farm for power. <laughs> right. Uh so there's there's definitely some dark side stuff there going on of of hate and control, but there also seems like they um are not uh individually selfish they are very much about the clan right so there is holy there is family there is there is value of others and then the other big thing that's interesting to me about the night sisters is from what we see in like this arc is they're there on their planet you know interacting with the the, the natural forces there and, and it seems like you know gaining their power partially from the natural forces there and unlike the sith they aren't like looking up to the stars and going, we'll take all that, that, yeah. that clear component of the dark side. That's about greed that the danger that, yeah, the dark side is always there. It's half of everything. People die. It's sad. You have death, you have loss. That's the natural part of, of the galaxy. And the problem of the Sith being saying that should be the whole galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> I should own all of that. I should wipe out everything else. And that the night sisters, at least when we meet them are just like, we're here. Every once in a while, somebody comes and Fs with us, and then we only go out into the galaxy to get our vengeance. Otherwise, we're just here doing our stuff with our icker yeah. <laughs> and having our community. It's fascinating. I, 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 I Almost a, a full Force Center episode might be worth uh, diving into the Night Sisters and what they mean and what they could mean for the story, because I now more than ever want more Night Sister uh, material. Uh, we got some good stuff in Fallen Order with Night Sister Marin, right? I mean, and yeah, things about trauma and everything there. And 
even going to what you and I were saying up top, we're not here to immediately cast these uh, Star Wars witches as villains. I want to know a little bit about what got them here, too. Talzin as well. And what happened between her and Dooku? What happened between, you know, in terms of him helping them, but also, you know, some bad, uh, bad, bad, uh, bad memories there. Bad, bad, uh, bad experience. So, so I, I, I like what you're saying about how, yeah, we might be doing things a little, the. Uh, and again, they've done, they've done some, we see them do some bad things. Let's, let's be clear. <laughs> yes. I, I don't, I don't want to. Yeah. But you know, yeah. But I, I mean, there is a little bit of like, Hey, we ain't bothering you and you want to come after us and, and that's going to cause us to do some things. You have the choices to react a, a better way, I guess you could say, but uh, a little bit of uh, seeing what's going on with Asajj and, and her journey. I would love to know that true canonical history of the Night Sisters now, because I bet it would be a similar kind of journey. I think so. That That's the kind of the instinct I get. I think it, it's powerful that the Jedi clearly know all about them. That Obi-Wan clearly was taught about them, right? Because <laughs> yeah. he's like, oh, yeah, you mean the witches on Dathomir? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I haven't interacted them with myself yet. Uh, and the Jedi are like, if a Sith pops up, gotta go. That's it, period. And there's no Jedi crusade, at least in this modern era. He's like, just let the Night Sisters do their thing. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that is powerful and intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously, as the Clone Wars goes on, we get more with the Night Sisters. Um, I think uh, if you're up for it, Ken, I'll, I'll want to cover that uh, Maul, the son of Dathomir comic arc that is really dealing with um, Sidious's relationship to the Night Sisters and Sidious deciding that they have to go in their entirety, you know? Yeah, I'm all for that. Uh, it's really interesting stuff. I also would l- maybe discuss their branding. Night Sisters, it's not inviting. I like it. It's a probably a great pro wrestling tag team, but uh, <laughs> stable. But uh, it's it's a little branding issue too. Yeah, yeah, and I like how they try to say like, "What? what? We're we're the exiled clan to Obi Wan." Obi Wan's like, "Come on, the entire <laughs> galaxy knows that you witches are in charge." Yeah, yeah. just endlessly fascinating. And I think that's the thing ultimately for me about them is I do love that they are complex and interesting. And it's not the they aren't mm. the stereotype of witches where they are the horrific villains, uh, you know, to be just feared and they're not the stereotype of witches where uh they are totally benevolent and just misunderstood it seems to be a a great complex combination of all these ideas Mm, yeah yeah uh delicious delicious uh, layers we love those layers in star wars like good (laughs) layer cake we like a good theme layer cake a good theme layer cake uh, and layered like Mother Talzin's voice. Uh, with that, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to discuss some of our favorite individual moments from this arc of the Clone Wars. Back in a moment. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138 and we are back to finish our discussion of the great night sisters arc in season three of clone wars we like to talk the depth but we also like to talk just the fun and the thrill so let's talk action moments ken did you have some favorite action moments from these episodes yeah, I did. Sorry, I was going through my notes here. Yeah, uh, there is a lot of action. And, and, and <laughs> again, I'm going back to 2011, Ken. 
And this is why I couldn't turn away from the show overall, even if I was not liking or understanding or just grasping some of the things that were being presented to me at the time. Uh, and I don't mean to be harsh on myself as a Star Wars fan. I love the series. I, I was always vocal about loving the series. I just skipped a lot of the stuff. That's it. A lot of cool action. Uh, I am uh, really uh, here about those lightsaber fights, like I said, but also Ventress leading the attack up top that that uh, I call it some prequel, good prequel-like space fighting. <laughs> yeah, no, there is some just great, uh, yeah, absolutely zipping around and Anakin having a clever maneuver and all that. Yeah, her uh, her ship, uh, the design, everything about it, bringing that design back. Uh, loved it, loved it. Yeah, yeah. I think right away from that first episode, uh, it, it fe- I love that it feels like a, even the beginning of the episode feels like a previously on Clone Wars. Like, oh, uh, yeah, Anakin and Obi-Wan have tried to stop Ventress lots of times. This is kind of familiar for everybody involved. Yeah. <laughs> but there's that really cool moment where Ventress is, Anakin and Obi-Wan have landed on the ship. They're going to confront her. And she's like, all right, let's go. Ignites her blade and then does that flip where she kind of hits both of their blades with her blade and bounces off of them in midair. It's just like, it, I think the the depth and the different aesthetics that were going on at this part of the Clone Wars when I was watching it by myself on my couch, combined with just the sheer volume and creativity of lightsaber fighting and force stuff is what made me go like, this is amazing. Yeah. There's two moments I wrote. Um, it, it's in that first fight. Uh, I wrote double choking Ventress. And later <laughs> on in, 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 uh, uh, in the show, I wrote quadruple choking Ventress. <laughs> <laughs> that was my next action moment too. Yeah. Asajj doing the four-way pirate choke and throw, and I love that she she it's, it goes with the empathy, right? Because those guys are absolutely portrayed as scum who think that they've picked up a vulnerable person, yeah. and they're like surprise mfers, and she just accordion kills them, right? She she brings them out and then in. Yep, yep. I love. I also love the uh, the uh, the the like uh, the lead there. I think his name's Rack or something. I looked up, but uh, how, uh, you got Cham, you got everyone over uh, over on Ryloth, maybe a little uh, French accent or something, a little different, or a little more dignified. And you got this guy just like, ah, what we got here? <laughs> yeah, I like the old West uh, Twi'lek. <laughs> love it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what were some other moments for you? Uh, jumping ahead, uh, just the, the trials are pretty cool. They're very video game like. Uh, watching, um, including the the head uh, Zebra guy with his very dramatic "Let trials begin" with a clap and everything. I I really loved it. And uh, uh, Ventures during that whole thing, it, it, there's that one moment where she just throws that spear into one of the brothers, and it's brutal. But uh, you're so right. At this point, you've kind of got this weird. Uh, ice cream swirl of empathy going around. You got a lot of flavors of empathy to choose from here. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. Ventures. Oh wait, I feel sorry for that guy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, Brother Viscous is the leader because this is the Star Wars uh, arc for weird names. Um, I think my favorite part of the, the, the horrific video game trials, the, the third part is not my favorite, but I do really like how just explicitly video game it is with the <laughs> columns that rise up and down. Yeah. I, like my thumbs hurt watching that because like, oh man, I would not want to play that level. Uh, but my favorite part uh, of the three part test is just, <laughs> I'm going to try to kill you in the dark while laughing and you try to avoid it. It's like, it's, it's so horrific and so yeah. scary. And just the absolute maniacal laughing is just mm. like giant, you know, space scythe is coming at people in the darkness. 
Well, there was that one moment towards the end where like Farrell's on the ground and Savage and he's like, where's the witch? And she's got, it's like, man, she's, she's pretty cool. She's got yeah. a lot of powers. Damn cool. Um, also in the, in the, uh, in going back uh, to the end of the first episode, I, I want to be sure to shout out the, uh, the Dooku jammy battle. Oh yeah. Um, uh, the introduction of what Battlefront 2 so beautifully qual- called exquisite pajamas uh, that you can play as Dooku in these jammies. Oh, I love it. Love it. I love just I love seeing that moment of him <laughs> uh, clearly still believing in Jedi minimalism, uh, sleeping on that bed perfectly ramrod straight. He knows his sleep number. He has nothing on his night table but his lightsaber. <laughs> just the picture is so great. And the whole they're invisible is really cool, and then just the the um, the 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 fighting style. We'd see that Dooku is a little impaired, but it doesn't matter. And I love all the behind the back blocks that he does. If, that fight alone, man, yeah, it's 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 really cool. The, the exquisite pajamas. Thank you, Battlefront Two. Maybe one of the best things in Star Wars. Uh, but uh, that all comes out of uh, this little moment here. I. I could spend a lot of time analyzing Dooku's room, sleeping with no blankets. <laughs> There's a lot of things I'm questioning uh, in, a, in a good way because it, it, it strikes that, that little itch I always have. And I mentioned stuff with Palpatine choosing the uniforms and just those really weird mundane, like an episode of The Office logistics stuff that is just hilarious to me. It's, it's, like, it's not even like a California king bed. It's like a galaxy sized bed. It's just there's so much stuff going on. It's so huge. And yeah, there's just this weird, like, yeah, he's got the finest silk pajamas. But then you can see him, like, turning to somebody and saying, no blanket. Blankies are weakness. You know, it's. <laughs> well, then, and then there's this, you know, he's he's an older gentleman. So I'm like, there's no, there should be, like, pill bottles on that nightstand. <laughs> yeah, we, he needs the day of the week uh, pill container, right? <laughs> It is Thursday. I must take my Thursday pills. Um, <laughs> I'm having fish oil now. My doctor says fish oil. <laughs> that would be so great to just re-edit that massive, impressive fight, and there's just all these pops and cracks from his joints. Yeah. <laughs> um, getting back to action because we could spend a long time in in Dooku's bedroom. Um, I do like in the the vicious temple attack. I, I like how much smaller uh, Jedi Master Halsey is, and I like when he tries to uh, run up Savage's chest to kick him in the face, and it doesn't work out for him. Whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah, <laughs> it was a uh, short-lived Halsey there. It was a bit tragic. Yep. yep. Well, well, well fought there, Halsey, but not enough. Uh, anything else from the second and third episodes that you that you responded to? Well, there's just, just some of the. Again, we as Star Wars fans are always, you, you always talk about the tension of this uh, movie series about wars, preaching, you know, no wars. I, I was the poor Todarian warriors. Oh my God. Getting clobbered. But at the same time, like, I mean, that's a soup. That's an X button smash right there. That, that door coming <laughs> in and just take them out. And then just when the three of them fly, such loyal. Uh, such loyal troops to the king there just fly up to the ship and Savage comes out. It's like, oh man, it's 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 a squash match for wrestling terms. And I just felt bad for him at the same time being being like, ah, some cool Star Wars action. Yeah. I, I mean I I I felt bad about writing down that pod fight uh between yeah. Obi Wan and Anakin and Savage and poor King Katunko just trying to escape his yeah. his sword of honor being useless 
against a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, you know, it had everything that I like with the, hey, it's pods. They're fighting in a high place. They can fall off. Uh, they can get crushed by the pods. Uh, but it's so brutal what happens to King Katunko. It is. And you know, it's funny. I, I, years ago, again, I keep referring to me watching the Clone Wars so long ago. No connection to to that character, the king. No connection. Just, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. why do I have a king, I guess, apparently. Now, because of the early arc and, and, and really focusing in on it, I really, yeah, I'm there for that guy. I'm so, so, so sorry, man. Good character. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Final thing for me uh, in in these is there's so much great stuff going on with uh, all of the the fights back and forth between Savage, Ventress, Dooku, getting the Jedi in there. I, I love how much Dooku it, it uses the Sith lightning really tactically, really emotionally. There's a lot of great stuff with that. But the one I really needed to highlight is I really love Ventress's move to escape where uh, Dooku's got her and he's you know bringing the lightsaber down and she uses the force to just redirect it a little bit for the old steam in the eyes. Yes. <laughs> and it's just, it's that kind of just like fun and creativity. Like a lot of the great just lightsaber moments are, are they're, they're fun to watch. Uh, but I really treasure those moments where you see somebody use the force or, or lightsaber in a slightly different way. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I wrote, I just wrote down a lot of good Sith lightning. I'm truly an insightful Star Wars pundit, but particularly yeah. <laughs> um, some one, one of the ones with Dooku, which also made me think of, yeah, we love. Uh, we got to the Dooku training sequence with Savage. We've seen other training sequences with Dooku. We've heard, you know, Grievous will brag about his classes he took for Dooku. So I do think we need a, a master class video seminar hosted by Dooku, just sitting in a chair. I'm your teacher. Welcome to Fighting Like a Sith. Yes, I would absolutely watch Dooku's very cruel YouTube tutorial. Yeah, yeah. So you want to learn the Jedi arts? Um, uh, any other action moments you want to talk about before we move on? Uh, no, no, no. All right. Well, then let's plunge forward into favorite moments of comedy, whimsy, and weirdness. These are uh, some dark arcs, but also a lot of things that made me laugh, Ken. Yeah, little lines. I like in the uh, the opening space uh, uh, battle I was talking about, but when Ventress blasts Obi-Wan's ship and Anakin just goes, Ventress, which, like you said, they've been fighting for so long <laughs> that they could tell from the laser bolts. <laughs> Yeah, I and I, I wonder if it is just Anakin knows immediately because he's yeah. so used to uh, being shot at first. Uh, yeah. Which I loved when you know Obi Wan's ship is damaged and Ventress is still shooting and chasing him, and Obi Wan says, "Looks like I'm her favorite." <laughs> yes, because they do have this weird sort of flirty vibe, you know. Yes, uh, and I just thought that was really funny and the weird. The weird sort of we're we're brothers now, not any sort of father and son dynamic from Obi Wan's perspective, and they have all of their little uh, ways that they sort of uh, banter and compete with one another. And I like that, like Obi Wan's kind of bragging, like she wants to kill me more than she wants to kill you, Anakin. <laughs> yes, indeed, very funny. Um, I I'm going to share a line mostly because I think that there is no way that you don't have it written down, and I'm curious, or maybe I should see what your next line is and see if it's the same one as me. All right, well, I'll, I'll say this: next one I wrote down was an Obi Wan line. Ooh, no, this is not the one I'm thinking of. So please, I want to hear your Obi Wan line. Might have jumped around the episode a little bit, but uh, I love when he crashes and R two's putting out the ship, and Obi Wan goes, "Thank you, R two. That's quite enough." <laughs> <laughs> that is a really good one when, when R2 is aggressively uh, putting out the fire. Yeah. yeah. But no, it, it, uh, sorry, fl- Flash episode four of now you know why there's some tension between Obi-Wan. 
Yeah, and I do like the sort of the growth of R2. Like like I said, in Attack the Clones, you know, uh, Obi-Wan hasn't met R2 yet. And he's like, yeah, droids, whatever. And he, and he talks to R4. Uh, but this slow growth of his relationship with R2 of like, okay, that is a very different droid. That droid has opinions. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. droid's assertive. <laughs> and yeah, and, and yeah, in Revenge of the Sith, when... Anakin's getting upset because he thinks Obi-Wan might be being too hard on R2. <laughs> no loose wire jokes. Uh, all right. I'll share the one that I, that I thought that you were going to grab and maybe, yeah. maybe it is on your list. It is from the old West, uh, Twi'lek, uh, when Ventra says she wants to go to Dathomir and he says, ain't nothing there but fog and witches. <laughs> I did not have that down, but I, should have because that uh, again that guy like the rack i think again i think his name's rack or something like that that is a that's a one-time fun character that's a good 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 line. yeah ain't nothing there but fogs and fog and witches and then ventra says exactly <laughs> it's, uh, great chef's kiss uh what are some others for you uh i had uh it's funny we're joking about dooku inspires i think a lot of um, you and i really do love dooku and it inspires a lot of real world based comedy i think but i just love that Dooku, when he gets that arrow, the the poison dart, and he just, what sorcery is this? And I just wrote, Dooku, a sorcerer. (laughs) Dark wizard sorcerer. What sorcery is this? It's not mine. Uh, And then during that fight, we're making all the the old man jokes. We can because uh, we are. Um, But there's that great shot, and and, and they push it on Dooku's face, and he just exhales in pain and frustration. He's like, God. Yeah. I really love that shot. It's funny, but it's also like you're watching the battle and you know he's a little, you know, hampered, mm. but he seems so in control. And then the second he can express it, he's like, uh, actually, that did put me through my paces. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a Dooku character thing, too, of like he, in Attack of the Clones, he takes out Obi-Wan and Anakin with what appears to be relative ease. And then as soon as it's done, there's that big sigh. Yes. <laughs> like one of those guys could have got me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Very, very cool. Um, next thing that I had written down is uh, I like uh, Mother Talzin's various statements on gender dynamics. Yes. <laughs> and she says to uh, Dooku, perhaps a male would be more to your liking since you couldn't tame the oh, female. I love that line. And then she says later to Dooku, men are easy to acquire, but hard to control. <laughs> yes. yes. No, there's some great stuff there. Uh, high five, Katie Lucas. Uh, great lines. And I love, I love too, and Talzin's kind of digging into them. And then he just kind of takes a beat and goes, I, I think I'll take you up on your offer. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're pretty vulnerable right now, right? Yeah. You don't even have a blanket. <laughs> you need an assassin to guard you. Yeah. Uh, moving, moving ahead into this is, yeah, this is uh, in episode two. I feel bad writing this down, but it's true. It's so cruel. It's so like over the top cruel when uh, Asajj first gets to the Knight Brothers village and they all line up and she uh, hits two of them and just knocks them down and says, too small, too weak. Uh, I wrote the, it's like the Goldilocks and the three bears moment, right? It's absolutely too small, too weak. It's, it's funny. Uh, Too big of a smile. Like, yeah, like it's, it's so, it's so mean. Mm-hmm. And, and still funny. Uh, yeah, what are some others for you? Uh, jumping ahead to the third episode for me, just uh, I did enjoy kind of this meta line of Anakin going, great, warrior-like men, witches. Oh, this place is all kinds of fun. Because again, for me in 2011, I was like, witches? What's going well, I don't know, but I don't know what I think about this planet. So Anakin was kind of speaking to me. Uh, I love that. And then Anakin, there's this great exchange. I tend to be popular with the ladies, and Obi-Wan just shoots back, too popular. 
<laughs> right? I really like that. It's like uh, Obi-Wan is flashing back to the uh, Outlander Club and is like, I saw the way many of those patrons paid <laughs> Gofi. I saw how she was looking at you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And just like, gosh, you know, Obi-Wan's like, yeah, there's so many more, you know, just nice men for Padme to choose from. And she goes to this guy. Yeah. 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 We're all convinced he knows. (laughs) I think he definitely knows they're closer than they should be. I think he just doesn't know how close. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, In that third episode, uh, I don't think it was necessarily intended as a comedy line, but it's just so dooku. It made me laugh of uh, when he's first trying to train uh, Savage and Savage has just fallen all over himself. And Dooku says, you have no technique. <laughs> it just seems like the ultimate Dooku insult. <laughs> well, yeah, they get it. Grievous pops out and goes, I've been trained in your Jedi arts. Like, yeah, we get it. We get it. Yeah, just like that for Dooku, that's just like everything of like, it's one thing if you can kill somebody while you're fighting, but please have some technique and some style. Like, I don't know, there's that line, it's just like uh, my wife have been, wife and I have been watching uh, some old episodes of the, the great uh, British uh, baking show or bake off in the UK. And there's like one of the one of the judges on there is, you know, the mean judge that you kind of have to have in reality shows. And I just felt like Dooku was judging somebody's cake. Like, ah. <laughs> the flavors are all there, but you have no technique. It just, it cracked me up. Just imagining him as just mean reality show judge. Yeah, oh, I love that. Um, I think the last few for me, uh, I, I like, it's a little bit of a callback line too, uh, when Obi's, Obi-Wan says, we'll take him together to Anakin, and they both run into the room and are just immediately thrown out. <laughs> Yeah, and, and the, the quick follow-up from Anakin just going, right. Like, they've, they've <laughs> probably talked about this a lot. Like, next time, if we ever get it, ne- got, you got it? Say it back to me, Anakin. Say it back to me, Anakin. <laughs> Always together, yeah. Uh, and final one for me, it's a very subtle one. A good job, animators. Uh, when Dooku is informing the uh, battle droid commander that uh, Savage Press is a traitor, the the B1 battle droid just has his tiniest take with his head of shock of like, Oh no. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's it for me. Any more for you? Uh, fi- final one. You may actually jog my memory. The, when, um, the ship is crashing and, uh, the, the, the big ship, uh, there, and there, the, the, the start, the, the cruiser, sorry. Uh, and, uh, it's the separatist cruiser and the, the abandoned ship automated voice is so pathetic. Just like abandoned ship, abandoned ship. I don't, it just made me laugh. No, that was great. That was not a a voice of alarm or concern. It was a very lazy abandoned ship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, so many great moments, flavorful moments. We're going to move on, though, to uh, ideas of canon, uh, lore, connections to other stories. Uh, I'm going to go through a a couple here, Ken, but feel free to jump in. Um, Sure. The first battle is uh, Solist, and it's always ha- I'm always happy to hear about Solist. Uh, I wanted to ask you specifically, you know, you lived, as I did, for many years with just the only thing you knew about Solist was that Vader thought there were some reports of some rebels gathering there, mm. and that has always made me like Solist because it was one of those planets that you heard about that just made you think, there's a bunch of other planets to talk about. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I love... I love that it's there. I love the reference. I and I and I. I got to tell you, it, the first uh, Battlefront in 2015, the, the the modern era Battlefront, when you spent a lot of time on Solus. I love the landscape there. I love those missions there, and it's changed. I, I want to spend more time on Solus. I wouldn't have said that in 1983, other than maybe eventually knowing Nine Numbers from there. That that kind of maybe 
harm me to the planet. But no, I like the reference. And I like that's a, that's probably a little bit of an important battle. Like you said, where it's almost like a previous on, uh, but I like, uh, I like, I like knowing that that was, uh, that was there. A little history. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was great. Uh, uh, hear your take on Solace. I think just for me, it was always like, there's the mention of the bounty hunter on Ord Mantell and empire. And then there's the mention of, uh, Solace is another place yeah. to explore and return to Jedi. So I always perk up. And of course, yes, the, the nine numb connection is, is very important. Uh, this is the first canonical appearance, uh, on the clone wars of, a. Uh, Castle Sereno, a.k.a. Dooku's Palace. Uh, we talked a little bit about how much we are fascinated by his bedroom, his jammies, his lack of a blanket. Uh, but what do you think about getting to see, you know, the castle itself, the design of the castle, the planet Sereno, all that? I really loved it. I love seeing the detail and, and lack of blankets. I wonder if that's there. And knowing, I, and you, you know what this episode made me want to do, uh, Joseph, was uh, pick uh, up the Dooku Jedi Lost book version. We have mm-hmm. the audio version out there that we reviewed, but there's the book version we have. I kind of want to read it again because there's a lot of rat attack and, uh, you know, uh, just uh, um, Sereno himself and just the culture and, and, and everything there with his sister. I, it made me want to spend more time there. Yeah, absolutely. It's just we get these teases of Dooku in the Clone Wars animated series, and then that that book is one of the biggest deep dives. So yeah, it made me feel the same way. I really like the design of his castle. It 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 is it definitely evokes or palace. It evokes a little kind of like medieval Gothic castle, but it's still much more on the science fiction end of things with its kind of almost weird rocket ship shape. Yeah, yeah, I, I really liked the design. Really, that, that shot up up the hill at the fortress was great. Yeah, yeah, and of course we already already discussed Dooku's exquisite pajamas. So uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to prove that I can let it go. But man, we love those jammies. Uh, so moving on to this great discussion of where Maul comes from, and I have such strong memories of hearing this for the first time when I watched the Clone Wars, and I was so happy to come from it. We got these lines of dialogue uh, where Obi Wan says. I was under the impression that Darth Maul's homeworld was Iridonia. And then uh, Mace clarifies, Dathomir is the planet where Darth Maul was raised. Iridonia is where the rest of the males of the species dwell. And it was an amazing experience for me in 2014, Ken, because this was the first time where characters in Star Wars uh, cleared up a confusing canon question for me i yeah. felt like mace windu was reading wikipedia to me absolutely and a fun and could you could you imagine this now we've already know some of the debates of that the opening chapter of the ahsoka novels different all those kind of things which are at times fun debates to have and sometimes annoying could you imagine if we we're doing the four center podcast in 2011 like what what <laughs> mace is speaking to us they knew they had to address it yeah, and I like I, I didn't. I'll be perfectly honest. I didn't have time to kind of do the the deep dive and, and clarify the actual history. So I'll only speak from my fan experience. My fan experience was wanting to know more about Maul, uh, about Darth Maul, and I can't remember. I probably read it in a Star Wars Insider. Or some other fan probably told me or saw it on StarWars.com somewhere that he was Iridonian and like, okay, cool. What does that mean? And then I heard Zabrak somewhere. I was like, okay, well, what is he? And I remember just being confused, and it's like. Obi-Wan is just as confused as I am. That's so great. Yeah. Love it. it. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that one? Uh, uh, Fascinating. And, and, and I think you're right to us to dive into the, the son of Dathomir stuff there. Uh, Um, it, it now now that Maul returns and becomes just such this uh, you know wonderfully compelling character that we all love uh, to explore his story and what it means to get a little even more of his past. And they do have that other Maul comic series that was 
out. I think it's like a four or five issue little short series there of uh, uh, right prior to Phantom Menace too, which just addresses stuff uh, in Maul's past. Uh, so I do like uh, I like getting it more and more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to check in on this canon wise is this is the arc with the names that I, I think have challenged a lot of Star Wars fans. Uh, obviously, we have Savage Opress, um, one of the just most explicit, mm-hmm. you know, Star Wars, uh, <laughs> yeah. Star Wars names uh, out there. Uh, his brother, Farrell, <laughs> and then uh, their leader, Brother Viscous. <laughs> So Star Wars always has this dance, right? I mean, Darth Vader just, you know, sounded kind of, ooh, scary. Obviously, the, it, the name has meaning. There's all the back and forth about whether that was intended or not, not getting into that. Yeah. Um, but then really starting with the prequel trilogy, right, you have Maul and Sidious and Tyrannus. And I feel like Lucas and the naming conventions of bad guys leaning into like, yeah, no, uh, this has depth, but I, I made this because I like adventure serial stuff where the bad guy names are not subtle (laughs) and this seems like uh yeah you know that thing about um not about liking things especially villain names not having any subtlety i want to do that (laughs) (laughs) i want to pursue that to its logical conclusion where there's just a character named feral yeah look i i I, as someone who spent probably you know not probably did spend too much energy on not liking captain phasma's name before the movie came out uh, it's weird to say that while also I'm like, but Han Solo is my favorite character. Luke Skywalker. It's just the dance. <laughs> and so even then looking at Sauvage Opress, I, I, yeah, it's still, it's still to this day, to this moment, not one of my favorite names in Star Wars, but it's, it's just weird that I, it, it's selective, I guess, on my part as a fan to be like, that name is stupid, but the guy who walks in the sky, amazing name. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. Would you, like it better if there wasn't uh the spin on it and his name was savage opress uh that's a good that's a fair question sir and i don't know if i have that answer i i think savage is actually better look like this is this is the you know like like the guys in office space my energy here is like i celebrate the whole catalog (laughs) of weird star wars names I, i I like that Star Wars is weird and wild. To me, that is a part of its charm as well as being uh, cool and deep. I like that it's weird. And I like every once in a while, it's like, yeah, no, that that's what this is. Uh, th- this movie's called Attack the Clones because that's the movies that inspired this. And this guy who's explicitly obviously a villain, his name is Savage Opress. I don't know. I- I'm happy that it's not all the time. Uh, but when it comes in, I'm just I'm down for it because it's a part of the DNA of Star Wars it to me. Really, might be worth a four center deep dive. But this is why I think I kind of aggressively defend the Han Solo name scene in, in Solo Star Wars Story. How going into that movie, I didn't think I'd love that because the rumors that that was going to happen. Thanks, Bob Iger. But uh, I really, yeah, I, I don't want it all the time. I want to be careful. You know, the silliest name in Star Wars might actually be Pre Vizsla. Uh, <laughs> previs everyone knows that now but like yeah that's pretty silly um but also i'm gonna die i mean come on and it's yeah at one point it just kind of becomes its own fun tradition yeah orn frita because that's how lucas's daughter said corn fritters yeah that's always a, a keeper for me yeah uh okay just a few more canon things uh temple of Edith. uh it's fun to see that is featured in the uh the novel a weapon of a jedi by jason fry which i really enjoy um Got to briefly see uh, the clone commandos there returning from Eat It. That yeah. was nice. Um, 
Thanks. How did you did you like seeing uh, Dooku do the lightsaber scissor <laughs> yeah. move to the head of Savage, or is that too on the nose? No, it's not on the nose, especially based on that moment we were talking about earlier, where he's silently contemplating his future and what's going on and what's he's doing and all those things. It it it's it totally works for me. Excuse me, it totally works for me. It's just like, yeah, be careful, man. It's it's this vicious cycle and vicious circle. Yeah, really. It, that it, it, when first you put lightsaber scissors to somebody else's head, maybe <laughs> they will come to your head. Yeah, yeah. I really like it. Uh, we we uh, alluded to uh, King Katunko, uh, the Toydarian leader. Uh, this is one of those episodes where, yeah, the is has extra power if you are tracking the big picture of the Clone Wars uh, that we have met him in ambush and in supply lines. A couple of great episodes, I think. Yeah, and and if if you're just joining the the Clone Wars rewatch here at this point, revisit those episodes. Uh, they're really great, big, big, big concept, big themes early on in Clone Wars. Yeah, and then the last thing for me is a kind of a canon connection is that whole uh, Darth Maul returning thing. <laughs> uh, we see his face in that sort of a shrek. Uh, fractured orb. Uh, he is described as being in, in exile in the Outer Rim, but he can still be found and Savage is sent off with this mission. And for myself, uh, watching the Clone Wars, partially because I knew Maul returned, I got to that episode and I was like, all right, yes, here we go. And then I clicked the next episode and it was not Maul. And uh, it's a while before Maul himself returns. How did you experience that when you were watching it week to week? Were you, when you saw this episode, were you like, yep, that's Maul, he's for sure back. What was it like to wait a year? I think I accepted on face value, but this is also an era where, you know, I didn't have anyone else to really discuss this with. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe Harloff and I would exchange a text back in the day, but I wasn't weekly discussing Clone Wars off air at all. Um, so I think it kind of just slipped my mind. Like, okay, that's interesting. And I was on board uh, because again, I'm like, uh, budget Maul with Savage Press. Oh, but this leads to Maul coming back. How? And again, Obi-Wan answers that or asks the question for us. If Darth Maul's alive, how can he be? I killed him myself. And so, I, yes, I was screaming that at the screen. I don't know if I, just trying to remember, I don't think I felt the time. It just was like, Clone Wars is something that I had on I, in my DVR. I'd watch, you know, Friday night or Saturday morning and I wasn't, um, you know, cl clued into uh, when it was returning. So I was, I was open to it. I was excited. And uh, then spider legs happen. That's we'll get to that at some other point. And now, and then I love it. And this is still a debate we could still have with, with casual, but you know, loyal star Wars fans. I, I have some friends in my life who still are like, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's 2021, but you're telling me Darth Maul came back. How stupid is that? I'm like, you have to trust me. Have to. Yes. It's so powerful ultimately. So yeah, just it's always fun to, for me to revisit these episodes and remember like that was the moment where like what? It's yeah. so cool and it and it's totally makes sense what you're talking about of this was just you weren't doing a bunch of podcasts, you didn't have a uh, weekly Star Wars chats uh that it's just that's what it is, but it's so fascinating to look back now and you know imagine seeing a tease like that and then waiting yeah. <laughs> yeah. a year for even full confirmation, you know? Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm you know, I you know, I maybe uh, at the time they're Press releases, whatever, uh, you know, so uh, maybe it was really clear to people at the time, but it's really fascinating to think of just seeing that and wondering and waiting. Any other canon uh, thoughts for you? Uh, any other canon? Can I, uh, there was the, well, the, the Republic Commandos one is pretty big for a lot of people. I'm not one of those people that played the game, but just if you listen to the featurette of Dave Filoni just 
kind of acting like a conquering god coming back to bring the Republic commandos to the people. Uh, I'm poking a little fun at Dave. Watch the clip. It's good, but I get it. People love this game. And even, you know, we've seen them here in Bad Batch and everything. So I, I love that they're there. Uh, final one for me is, uh, you know, Palpatine certainly does love getting on the old uh, holo, uh, uh, you know, calm and saying there is a disturbance in the force. <laughs> yes, yes. That is like the first thing in the episode. And that is just, uh, and I like that he does have, um, he, he has a scale because yes. this is there is a disturbance in the forest and the one in Empire Strikes Back is there is a great disturbance. <laughs> yes, that's how you know it's real. You know it's real. Um, anything in this arc that you disliked or questioned? There's one little moment, uh, one little moment. And look, Katie, Katie Lucas wrote this. So I so I I trust her intentions with it. And it's a, and it's a, and it's a, a joke intended as a, as an aside and a joke. So I'm not saying uh, I'm coming at it in some, with some deep meaningful way, but you know, and Anakin insults Vent- Ventress's appearance, right? We, we, mm-hmm. uh, we're not here for no appearance shaming, but um, I, uh, I, I had a little bit of a back off Anakin, like, <laughs> you know, and this is my perspective as a, as a, as a straight male here talking Padme, beautiful woman. Got it. I would probably date Ventress. So like <laughs> Anakin, cool it a little bit with the joke about how she looks. Yes, it has been uh, forever since I have been a a uh, single person. Uh, but yes, uh, I, I would definitely uh, respond on any social app to Asajj Ventress back when I was single, uh, for yeah. better or for worse. Yeah, that's a fascinating moment because honestly, the way I processed it is there is this really fun, weird flirtation between uh, Obi-Wan and Asajj. You know, it's subtle, but it is absolutely there. Um mm-hmm. And I think there's there's lots of those kind of just like huffy, judgmental comments from Anakin. And it's a contrast that I like between Obi-Wan that like Obi-Wan even seems to be he's cautious about Dathomir, but he's he's respectful and curious. And and Anakin is just like, oh, great. I, I, I don't want to go to spirit Halloween planet. Creepy, gross, <laughs> dumb. And he just has that kind of attitude that's a little rigid to mm-hmm. anything that isn't, you know, this sort of perfect uh, an angel on the moon of Iago, you know, yeah. that he's got a little bit of this. Uh, so I think for me, I really perceived it is mm. uh, that's Anakin's character. And I, it, it definitely made me grumble, but at Anakin. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's, and that, and, and again, that may actually, you know, let's, let's actually just give Katie Lucas credit. That might've been the intention. That's what I was saying. Just, it was a total moment in the scene where I was like, you, you frat boy, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. You jerk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah uh i love talking about that because the anakin's anakin and obi-wan's what the different things that they're grumpy and judgmental about is really fun to track is there anything else that we oh i I was gonna share that uh there was nothing i disliked or questioned i really love these episodes i think they they really work on the depth and they really work on the thrilling adventure serial like Mm. just for me they're just in the sweet spot uh, and just also inventive. They feel utterly like Star Wars. And then, you know, particularly at the time they came out, really, really different. So uh, anyway, moving on. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on? Uh, no, no, sir. No, sir. At all. Um, yeah. So I, the, I just wanted to shout out uh, the actor uh, performing Mother Talzin, uh, Barbara Goodson. Uh, and I just I love that that voice double that that, mm. you know, clearly, you know, uh, older woman's voice with the just rumbling powerful thing underneath is yeah. just such a cool cool design and amazing that they can kind of do it so consistently and it doesn't it doesn't great you know it's yeah. it's fun to listen to every second absolutely is uh all right 
Ken, if you could have a figure or toy of any character inspired by this arc or from this arc, who or what do you want? I mean, we just need uh, all the Dooku exquisite pajamas. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I, I think we do have a figure somewhere uh, out there, right? If, I, if I'm remembering, but it doesn't matter. We we need that. We need the pajamas at Galaxy's Edge. We need. Uh, we need uh, uh, the. You could. You should be able to buy the the bed with the Star Wars Dooku bed. Give me that. I want all of the Dooku exquisite pajamas merchandise. I want the Dooku night sand. I want the Dooku uh, pillbox. I want it all. Uh, yeah, I, I would love if they sold the exquisite pajamas uh, just for actual wear uh, at Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> uh, so you could. I do not believe that there is a, a an exquisite pajamas action figure, which is probably up there with uh, one of my most wanted action figures. And if I happen to be wrong, please, for all... The love of all that is holy and decent. Let me know so I can track it down. Well, what polls can we enter? I want a Black Series 6-inch with real uh, silk pajamas on or a Hot Boys <laughs> or a Sideshow. Come on. <laughs> yeah, and while you're at it, just do a whole HasLab of his bedroom. Not not even the castle. <laughs> just, his, just his bedroom. <laughs> I'd, I'd absolutely pay for it. We're going to crowdfund Dooku's sleeping arrangements. Yep. Uh, the other thing that I would want that is not an action figure is uh, like a sort of uh, do chemistry at your home, like fun toy set of night, the night sister uh, magics set, you know, yes. that comes with like goblets and glowing uh, green ichor and just lots of things you can play with and see if you can uh, conjure a, a random drink like she does for Dooku. Yes, which is a I was I I, I had to see this in the uh, show notes there, but it's like a it's a reference the black root or whatever is a reference to Willow. So there you go. Cross. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that is great to know that there's layers upon layers. Uh, so next up uh, is the big one, Ken. Uh, season three, episodes 15 through 17, the Mortis arc. Wow. Wow. We we took a break from Clone Wars Report and just we've come back swinging with three of the biggest arcs to look at. Yeah. And this is quite frankly, this is the one I think when we were talking about doing this, I was like, all right, we're going to get to Mortis. I can't wait to revisit Mortis now. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much going on, and it means so much to to so many fans, and and people have so many takes. It's going to be really really fun fun to just uh, dive deep into that one. So uh, I'll clear my calendar as best I can <laughs> to really dive into Mortis. Uh, we always like to uh, uh, wrap up uh, with a moral. What do you think the moral of this episode of the Clone Wars Report should be? It is, uh, despite it being the season of Halloween, avoid those witches. Because uh, if you don't give them problems, they won't give you problems. And that goes true for podcasts as well. <laughs> I, know what that I think that is a very good moral. Uh, if the witches want space, give the witches space. A very, very wise uh, thing to say. Ken, you want to let people know where they can find us? Uh, absolutely. We are the Force Center Podcast. We can be found on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Our Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Hey, want to try an audio book out on us? Audible's got a deal. Just go to audibletrial.com slash Force Center and get a free audio book on us. Help the show and help your Star Wars reading and listening uh, uh, career there. Uh, we are on uh, uh, Public. If you want some merch, tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. Podcasts available in a lot of different spots. Apple sometimes acts a little weird. It's been acting weird. We know it's, most of our listeners are on Apple, but we're other spots as well. Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music uh, are just some of the places. Search and find us. You can follow me at Cat Knapsack or go to catnapsack.com for information on more things that I'm doing 
including a Kickstarter I got going over at the Good People Association, uh, the GPA. We launched our Kickstarter for our, our board game, Futility. Uh, you can find uh, the links uh, on my Twitter page. Excellent. And for myself, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com for links to all of my other comedy adventures. Uh, But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Mother Talzin, and most importantly, for uh, Dooku's exquisite pajamas, this has been the Clone Wars Report. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.